Welcome to season three of Through the Marketing Lens podcast, your weekly go-to business and marketing podcast that's fluff-free to the point and filled to the brim with actual strategies that will help you to grow and scale your business. I'm your host, Katrina Arrington, and I'm a six-figure business owner turned business coach and marketing strategist on a mission to empower women all over the world to turn their dream business into wild success. And I'm not holding back. So if you're ready to make more money and more impact, you are most definitely in the right place. Hello there and welcome to today's episode of Through the Marketing Lens. If you're new here, welcome. So glad you're here. If you are coming back, so happy to have you here. This episode is absolutely insane. I am going to share with you today a case study that is quite mind-blowing. That sounds a little bit boring when I say the word case study, but it's not just anything that I'm not going to just read you something. I'm going to help you to actually learn how brands like Apple and Coke and Disney, those big behemoths that everybody knows and loves, you can think of smaller brands too, but obviously I know you know those brands, how they have created brands that are just different. So you're going to learn the key to a lot of their magnetic success, if you will, and how to actually apply that to your brand throughout your marketing, which is why we are here, right? I don't want to just talk about how amazing Apple is. I want to talk about how amazing Apple is and why that matters for you, what we can learn from that. And the reason I'm so excited about this is because what we know today, as in in 2023, is far more than anything we've ever known because we have new tools to actually investigate. So not only listening to what people are saying or reading surveys about brands, but actually we know how they are feeling. We know because this is where really cool science meets marketing um, in something called neuromarketing. So I'm not going to get too in the weeds about that, but basically we are able to read brain scans now that allow us to know what people are feeling. So it's kind of like the gap between what people say and what people actually feel and think and all of that. We've never really known how to access that before or had the tools to do it, but we do now. So there's a really cool study, which was done by Michael Platt and colleagues of his at the University of Pennsylvania. And full disclosure, I did actually study under Michael Platt in neuromarketing, and he essentially pioneered the field. So I do geek out a little bit when it comes to him, but um, he is what he has done um, in terms of what we have access to and how he applies it to business is really freaking cool. Anyhow, back to the study. Um, the the actual study that I'm going to talk about today, the case study, was designed to test a theory in marketing that we have believed for a very long time. And that is that when a company or an organization forms a bond or a relationship with its customers, what's happening is it's actually the company is actually leveraging the same mechanisms in the brain that we use to form connections with other human beings. 
Okay. So in other words, the theory is that when we really like a brand, when you or I really like a brand and we feel connected to it, our brain is reacting with the same chemicals and the same parts of the brain that it does when we really like a person. So that's pretty cool. Like we don't uh, distinguish between brand and person in our brains. So it's kind of weird to think that we might see a a brand as a friend, but maybe you have those brands in your mind that you're like, I just absolutely love this kind of water, this kind of yoga studio, whatever it is, you can like see yourself in that brand. It's an extension of you. That's what's happening. So the study in a nutshell was conducted by having participants sit inside functional magnetic resonance imaging machines, which I'm going to say fMRI going forward, but basically they're like MRI machines and we're able to see where the blood flow is going within the brain. Okay. So the participants were in this study, a mixture of Apple smartphone users and Samsung smartphone users. And inside the fMRI machines, the the, uh, participants were each given and read Uh, positive, negative, and neutral messages about the two brands. So maybe they would have read um, that Steve Jobs died, um, which obviously he was the CEO of Apple. And the results of the brain scan were fascinating. I am going to read you the results and then I'm going to share what it actually means for the brands. Okay. So First part being Apple users. What happened inside their brains is that they showed empathy for their own brand. So the reward-related parts of our brain were activated in those Apple users when they heard good news or read good news about Apple. And the pain and negative feeling parts of our brain were activated when they heard bad news. So just like a person, like when we would hear bad news about a family member or a friend, they felt the empathy for the brand. Now, when they heard any kind of news about Samsung, good or bad or neutral, nothing happened. They were pretty much like they just didn't really care because they didn't feel connected to it. So this is exactly what happens when we empathize with people, particularly friends or family, and um, we don't necessarily feel joy or pain when we hear things about people that we don't really know, especially if we're not shown images. Now, what happened with Samsung users? So you heard all of that about Apple, pretty interesting. Samsung on the other hand, showed no increased activity in either area of the brain. So the reward-related areas of the brain or the pain areas of the brain when they were shown positive, negative, or neutral news about their brand, meaning Samsung. And interestingly, like the opposite side of this is when they heard good news about Apple the pain areas of the brain were activated. And when they heard bad news about Apple, which is their rival, essentially, they 
the the reward areas of the brain were activated. So that's like crazy. So what what was happening in there is something that we call reverse empathy. So why do you experience reverse empathy? Uh, think about back in high school, if you didn't like someone and you heard bad news, you probably felt a little bit happy. That is what's happening inside these Samsung users' brains. Really crazy. And they don't really care about their own brand. There was no empathy shown for Samsung. So what does this really mean? I could like talk about this in analysis for a while. I'm going to bring this back to, yeah, like let's just break this down really quickly. So Samsung users are not really connected to their brand. They are connected to Apple losing. So in other words, they're jealous, right? There's no real loyalty to their brand. They probably, going on a limb here, chose Samsung because maybe it was cheaper or they got a good deal with their with Verizon or whatever they use, right? So if you listen to the last two episodes about brand loyalty, you know that brand loyalty is the cornerstone of long-term success. And we create that through our marketing. So if you haven't listened to the last two episodes, go back because those are hugely important when we want to understand how to create brand loyalty. So Apple users are unlike Samsung users and they are deeply loyal, just like we would do, would be to like a best friend or a family member to their own brand. And they are reacting with empathy toward the brand. Pretty cool. And they don't really care about the other brand who they don't know personally. So let's talk about what Apple's done differently to Samsung. And we're going to talk about it as if it's Apple, but we're also talking about how this applies to your brand because that is why we are here, right? So let's pull this apart and talk about what you can do with your own brand, what we can learn from Apple. Okay, before we continue, if you like this episode, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen. That just means you're going to get access whenever we release a new episode totally for free. And while you're at it, please, please write us a five-star review. It takes 10 seconds and it is game-changing for this podcast because more people can find it. And as you know, we are on a mission to help as many entrepreneurs as possible. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, so... We know Apple's doing it right. That's really what we're figuring out here, right? Like if I was the chief marketing officer of Samsung, I would be concerned for sure because it seems like they probably would switch brands really quickly if they got a good offer. So what is Apple doing differently? What have they done differently? Because this is something that's created over time. It's not like they did something yesterday and now all of these people feel love for them. They've been doing this for a long time throughout their marketing. So number one, 
they were the first to the smartphone market. So they are dominant, right? That's just innovation. So at least in the US, I know that they're super dominant. I'm not sure what it's like overseas, but in the US, Apple is dominant. Innovation plays a really important role when we're talking about loyalty in general. So I want you to think about brands like, I'm going back to like Coke or Disney, they were the first in their categories. So we're always going to think about the ones that are first in their category, even like Tesla. Like when you think about electric cars, there's so many electric cars now, but you probably think of Tesla because they were the first ones. So where can, the question for you is, where can you be innovative? I um, recently saw that a local jewelry designer here in Palm Beach has like these really cool bracelets that you can connect to your wrist with an electrical zap. Like you actually see the electricity. And when I saw that the first time, I was like, oh, that's really cool. It's different. It's innovative. I mean, it's a bracelet, but it's a new kind of bracelets. So that kind of different thing is where I would say double down, triple down and get known for your zap bracelets. That's where you need to be investing, you know, add dollars and really um, getting to be like the first one, even if you're not the first one, take that place in the market. So how can you do that with your brand? Where can you be a little provocative and different um, and create excitement? Okay. So number two that Apple does is their marketing really speaks to being sleek and being cool. These are easily thought of as human traits and not just human traits, they're traits that their ideal client actually wants or desires. So this is really smart. They do not talk about being cheaper. They do not talk about anything that isn't um, something that could be a human trait. So literally, for you, what are the words that you are using? And are they things that your ideal audience desires? So if not, if you're not even sure, you really have to think about that as you are uh, creating copy and showing up on social media and every you know photo on your website. This is a good way to show us visually, but also literally like, what are you talking about? Like, what is what are you sharing with us that we desire? And is it a human trait or are you focusing on being less expensive or, um, you know, just really think about that because we do see these brands as other humans. So that's a cool way to um, start thinking about the verbiage that you're using. Number three is Um, they ran a campaign that was all about PC versus Mac. So I know this isn't about the smartphone, but it's obviously the same brand. Perhaps you remember that. It was about 90 ads in total. And that was a really pivotal moment for Apple and turned that brand around. So notice how in those ads, if you know what I'm talking about, they played two kind of personalities against each other. The Mac user which was like this cool kind of, I don't know if you would say like hip, I don't know, um, felt hip to me anyway, against this more like kind of geeky PC guy. And 
notice how they used actual people. They didn't just use the product. And that was brilliant because we can actually feel more connected. Like, oh, I want to look like that guy. I want to be dressed like that guy. It's all subconscious, but it's obviously, you know, the fact that they use humans and not the product itself is on purpose. So no one is saying you need to run a 90 ad campaign, but this is something really interesting that you can think about using on social media these days, which really wasn't a thing back then when they ran this campaign. So who are you showing in the photos? Can you show the other guy too? Just like off the cuff, thinking about um, like a yoga studio with, if you're a yoga studio owner, with a really fit, attractive woman. Um, Notice I said fit. I did not say skinny, okay? doing yoga. And then there's the other guy cut to um, sitting on the couch in sweatpants, eating chips or something, and then writing down his New Year's resolution as if writing them is enough, right? So you can make this really playful. It doesn't need to be a really long campaign, but really playing into like, what does my person want to look like? What does my person want to be associated with? And can you actually create this into a person so that we feel more identified with it. And number four, which is probably my favorite, is they provide an experience. They were really one of the first ones to do this really well in modern day. And um, so you go to an Apple store anywhere and you know it's going to be a full experience. Samsung now has a handful. I just went on their website. I think there was like five experience stores. It's actually what they call them. So notice how they're playing follow the leader again, right? They're never going to get ahead if they're just kind of copying what Apple is doing, but it seems to be kind of their MO. So experiences are what we are craving now more than ever. You probably heard me talking about that. And for you to think about how can you incorporate experiences into your brand. And it doesn't mean you have to have a storefront. I know this one kind of perplexes people, but of course that is a huge opportunity. If you do have a space, how can you create an actual experience, whether it's through partnerships? Um, You could be a copywriter and literally host a virtual copywriting workshop, make it super fun for people. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Creating brand beauty and connection through experience that's rich. And that gets people talking and feeling. So what is your assignment here? This is a really great way for you to be able to implement this into your business. If you need to go back and listen to the last few minutes, do it. It's worth your time. Um, You can also download the 2023 Marketing Trends But Deeper workbook right now and brainstorm with the trends that are actually working right now, weave in everything that you just heard me talking about. You can download that workbook totally for free right now, katrinaaronson.com backslash marketing trends. We also dropped it in the show description for you so that you can have it. My friend, that is how I see it through the marketing lens. I hope this episode was 
very helpful for you to be able to grow your business and of course your perspective. Thank you so much for trusting me with your very precious time. I will see you back here for a new episode next Tuesday. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, take a second to share this episode with someone that it might help. Maybe that's a fellow entrepreneur or a team member or even your mom. But the absolute best thing you can do is to screenshot this podcast on your phone and then put it on your Instagram stories and tag me at Katrina Aronson underscore consulting. By sharing this podcast, you are helping us to grow and most importantly, helping to lift up others around you. Thank you so much. We appreciate you more than you know.